Hello and welcome to Fortress. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing Six Impossible Things by Elizabeth Boyle. This was published in 2017 and is the sixth book in the Rhymes with Love series. And you can catch all of our previous reviews of the Rhymes with Love series on our website. That's plottrist.wordpress.com. Alrighty, so the book jacket. Lord Rimswell is a man of honor and absolutes. If he says something is impossible, it is. Yet his life of right and wrong is turned upside down when he finds himself in a compromising situation with the most unyielding yet maddeningly beautiful woman in London. If only he had not given in to the irresistible temptation to kiss her. Now he must marry her. Miss Rosalie Stratton is the very definition of impossible, headstrong, outspoken, and carrying a reticule of secrets that could ruin more than her reputation. Kissing Brody is hardly the most ruinous thing Rosalie has ever done as a secret agent for the home office, nor will she let a marriage of convenience stop her from continuing her work. Little does Rosalie realize that she has underestimated Brody's resolve to keep her safe, for he has hopelessly fallen in love with her and is determined to do the impossible by stealing her heart in return. I don't like this jacket. I I actually remember now, so I didn't reread this book jacket before I read the book. I remember back in 2017, I was like, oh, yeah, Elizabeth Boyle has a new book out. And I remember reading the synopsis and I was like, oh, cool. It's going to be a woman spy who marries a dude who has no idea what's going on and is like trying to stop her. And I thought it was going to be really fun. That's what this book jacket sounds like. That is not what this book is about. No. So one, he's also a spy. And two, she has a secret identity that he has met on several occasions historically and has a very different relationship with than he does with her. So it's more of like a secret identity spy versus spy book. Yeah, it is. With a I, lot there's more nothing than Elizabeth Boyle usually goes for, too. So I feel like this jacket does not work on a lot of levels. Yeah, it, it should have been about um, Astaria and about how he's, like, trying to find Astaria. And then Rosalie has a secret. She's Astaria. That's, that's what this basic book jacket should have been. Yep, Done. totally agree. Well, fittingly... Um, our random number that we generate to use as a word count when writing our own summaries this week for six impossible things was six. It was actually random. <laughs> Meg, what was your six-word summary? Wannabe spy spies better than actual spy. That's seven words. Well, it's six impossible things, so you got a seven-word summary. Sorry, I'm not changing it now. <laughs> Usually I don't notice how many words you say, but when it's six, it's sort of easy to tell. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how that happened, but also I'm not fixing it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, mine, which is actually six words, so I want bonus points. All Max, at the center of everything. It's all true. <laughs> <laughs> six points awarded to Lane. Thank you <laughs> for getting the correct number of words in the summary. <sighs> All right. So, as we talked about, she has a hidden identity. She goes around and does all these spy things as Astaria. I have a lot of questions about how this came to be. 
Okay. Because you're given her spy origin story in the mm-hmm. book, but you're not given her your her how she became Asteria origin story. Right. That's just sort of taken as a given. And I think that's the first of many times you'll hear us say something like that during this review. Um, this does not work super well as a spy book in the sense that there's not a lot of explanation for a lot of things. This isn't like a whodunit you can follow. Right. This isn't like really adept spies figuring these things out. So I, I think this is, again, just the first of many times I'm going to say something like this didn't really make a ton of sense. So like, you know what got her into spying. It was overhearing sensitive information at a ball. And when she tried to report it to the necessary authorities, she was dismissed for being a woman. But then she subsequently continued to use the unique access she had as a young debutante to continue obtaining information. How that then became her pretending to be a lady of the evening spy is never explained. No, but the the essential trope is that she has a hidden identity that he a secret identity and he has encountered her in her guys her persona her disguise several times and um they've done a lot of stuff together because they're very attracted to each other in all forms in all forms so they were childhood friends and she's sort of had a childhood crush on him the whole time mm-hmm which makes him being all over her as hysteria very emotionally complicated for her. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the whole thing where he doesn't want to rate, he does not want to acknowledge that she is now a woman in her, but, you know, normal, normal debutante. You know, she's Rosalie, she's my friend. But when he encounters her just with a mask on, like. And a wig. I mean, yes, mask and wig, but she, like, makes these references to his youth. Like, he, he knew subconsciously. Oh, no, he's a dumbass. He's a dumbass. <laughs> I mean, subconsciously, he knew it was yes. her. But he wouldn't, he refuses to admit it. I, I'm going to be honest, I kind of loved it. Same. Okay. <laughs> totally same. <laughs> hmm. We said they were spies. I don't know if it really fits the spy trope, except that they say they're spies. It's honestly more of just the fighting Napoleon trope. Yeah. In whatever way, it's it's not nearly so explicit. Um, there are several moments of kiss me, someone's coming. I love it. All of which are excellent. Every single one was great. Some were when she was in her guise as Sistaria. Some are when she's in her normal debutante clothes, etc. I mean, every single one of them is great. It was so much fun. There's a treasonous bastard. Um, spoiler alerts, the same guy from the last book that we were like, why did he have to be a traitor? <laughs> but this time it's got to be a literal bastard because of course. Of course. Can't just be a bad guy, must commit treason. And if you're a treasonous bastard, better really be a bastard, because goodness knows a true son of the aristocracy can never be the bad guy. Oh god, I know, right? I prefer uh, it when the I prefer it when the bastards are become spies because they want to uphold the empire, even though they're not acknowledged. Uh there are a whole series about that. Thank you, Sarah McLean, and yeah. we enjoy the hell out of them. Yep. They do hook up in a library a couple times. Twice. (laughs) (laughs) Worked for me. Right. (laughs) There's a scene where he 
she's like rubbing salt in the wound of really being Asteria because she wears Asteria's perfume and he immediately knows it. It was, I really liked it. I really liked Same. that part. It's, it reminded me of A Secret Love, my favorite sister. But in that one, she, she does not purposely put on the other perfume, but that's how he figures out that it's the, the, the countess he's been sleeping with. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert for that book. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, and then as the book jacket says, they are compromised and forced to wed. But the book jacket also says it's a marriage of convenience. It is not. It is compromised and forced to wed. It's compromised, forced to wed, and they've, they've been in love with each other for a long time. So it's fine. Yeah, it's all good. What did you think of this book? I liked it. I thought it was really fun. Um, yeah. For all that it did get a little more serious in terms of the consequences of the spying action than Boyle usually does. That said, I will totally admit that I like, had to make the conscious choice not to think too hard. And yeah. why certain things were happening or certain choices that were made. And I'm sure yeah. upon reread, some of those like plot holes will stand out even more. So I read this like it was a good time romp and had a really I, good time with it. I totally agree with you. It's it's exuberant, it's sexy, does not take itself too seriously. And you had better not take it seriously either, because otherwise you're not gonna enjoy it. There's this fashion blog called Go Fug Yourself. Have you ever read it? Mm-hmm. Not, I have heard of it, but I have never read it. So they're, I really like them. I really like a lot of their commentary on clothes, but there's this thing, you, you know how when like one person can wear something that you think would look terrible on someone else, but they just have a certain mm-hmm. je ne sais quoi that lets them pull it off. So they're yeah. convinced that that's Kate Blanchette and they call it a carte Blanchette, that she can <laughs> get away with wearing something that no one else could because she just manages to do it in like a unique and effortless way. And something about the way she stands and her personality just rocks it. I feel like Elizabeth Boyle has a little bit of that for me. Yeah. Like, there's a lot objectively here that, like, I kind of want to pick on. But overall, there's something about Elizabeth Boyle's tone that just makes things that shouldn't work, work. You know what? I think I have to agree with you. I think I, think I agree with you. I, I think this is reflected in the reviews of her books, too. I think people either are just like, this is so much fun. I had so much fun reading this. This is great. And other people are like, yeah, but why this? And why that? And why this? You know? So you don't, just don't ask why. It just sit back and enjoy. Exactly. Totally. Completely agree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I will say that the part of me that did think too hard about this book did not love the way Ilford was handled. And it reminded me a lot of If Wishes Were Earls. Okay. And the way that book was set up about, you know, (laughs) the woman who was trying to get in Roxy's pants Mm -hmm. ended up being, spoiler alert for that book, guys, she ended up being a French spy who had been, like, bred from, (laughs) you know, like, five years old. (laughs) <laughs> to marry him. Do you remember this? Because yes, and we felt really bad for her. <laughs> yes. And it, it, it reminded me of that a little bit because um, there, there are a lot of spoilers coming up, guys. I, I just want to warn you about this, okay? I don't know if you want to skip forward like three or minutes or something. <laughs> I don't know. But it reminded me of that because there is another debutante 
who's not an actual debutante. She is a French spy. And she is related to this Ilford dude. And it's like, not related to him. I'm sorry. She's in cahoots with him. And it goes back to like, your lineage is your destiny. This dude, yes, he's a bastard, but his he his father is an actual duke, and he is actually raised by his father. So I'm like, it's like nature versus nurture, and I'm but like, it's like the sinister, the first sinister book where the evil cousin, even though he yes. was sinister, was more like his mom's family, the Butterfields. He's not a real. It was exactly that. It was exactly that. You're right. That was exactly that, and that's just very problematic. Again, if I didn't think about it very hard, I was like, this book is hilarious and ridiculous. If you think about it just a smidge, you're like, ooh, this is, this is really, really problematic. Just don't think about it. I, yeah. I was like, yeah, that Ilford, what an asshole. Exactly. <laughs> Treasonous bastard rotting in prison. Why is he there? Who's helping him? I'm still not sure I understand. Don't think about it. <laughs> So, so uh, how about Rosalie? Was she a good spy? I, I liked her a lot. I liked her motives. I thought she did a pretty good job. And I actually sort of liked the way the ambiguity of her position was handled. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, she is both not official and working on her own and sort of endorsed by mm-hmm. the system. And I think, yes. like... I totally bought that her personality would have, like, manifested that. Yeah. Yeah. I was... I thought she was a pretty confident spy. She kept getting, like, figuring it out before the other... Before the official male, male spies. Mostly because she had access and, I think, privileged the information that other women gave to her. I actually want to have a longer conversation about that. Okay. Because there's been a lot, I think, we've read or seen lately in the historical romance world, notably Bridgerton. Um, but often some spy novels or even um, the, the series where the cookbook was stolen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, Lit- Love and Let Spy series. Thank you. Um, where, like, specific women's knowledge or the gossip network has been, like, celebrated as a unique thing that only women have access to or the power to manipulate Mm -hmm. and it's coming up enough that I think I'm starting to be a little bothered by its unquestioned utility Mm -hmm. or like source of empowerment for women like oh I get what you're saying like oh you should ask a woman but at the same time at this point I'm like all right but maybe a guy's seen a cookbook that's right Maybe, like, men are at all max, too. Like, I just don't buy this confident spies are completely dismissive of, in this case, gossip networks or the seedy underbelly of London. And I don't necessarily know what this narrative is trying to say about, like, where women are useful. Like, I think it's trying to be empowering, and because it's become so pervasive, it's not anymore. I don't, I mean, this may be part of us thinking too hard about it, too. Like, maybe we're just supposed to enjoy it. But 
I don't know. I mean, there, there's a lot out there about how gossip, out by out there, I mean, like, in, when you listen, when you watch film, when you, when you watch TV, um, not Bridgerton, but there's this idea that gossip is inherently bad. Uh-huh. And that women gossip, men don't. Um, that women engage in gossip to tear each other down. Uh-huh. Right? That that's what it is. And I, I think it is interesting to look at it from a different perspective. Sure. Which is that it's like, sure, sometimes gossip does tear other people down. Sometimes it's used to warn people about other people, right? The right. Wishing that we're, and- stuff like that. And I completely agree with that. I don't think gossip is inherently negative. I think what I'm combating is the idea of gossip as a woman's space. Mm-hmm. Even if it's being used for good, the fact that it's something men don't engage in. I think that I don't think that men don't engage in it. I do think that men discount information that women get. I do. I agree with that. I think my problem is when men eventually see the light and accept women and women's gossip as a useful tool, as long as that's the sphere women stay in. Yeah, well, that's that's something that I did think was interesting about this book, is even though she's been a great asset to them, they're still not accepting the information that she's providing. I actually, I I want to be clear, I'm not criticizing this book on this. I'm criticizing Mm -hmm. this wider concept in historical romance particularly. I think it was actually handled well here. But I think the indignity of her being forced to stay in that sphere is, like, addressed here more than it is in other books that I've read or seen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it is an interesting thing to think about. I do think that it's something that's being reclaimed specifically in the romance genre. Um... Do I think that it's inherently empowering to have a gossip scene? Not necessarily. Yeah, fair. Okay. I was a little frustrated that they kept, like, even after they got married and they both realized the other one was a spy, like, (laughs) refused to work with each other. Uh, Yeah, I found a lot of that. Like, it made for funny scenes. Again, this is where you just have to not talk about The farce of them, like, spying around each other is hilarious it's extremely frustrating if you're looking for them to actually like build their relationship and be competent spies right i mean they do eventually start working together oh there also was hero from the previous book who reappeared yep. here he was really fun i enjoyed he him was. we still have no idea who he actually is no absolutely no idea but yeah that was i found it frustrating i also found it really funny so can't complain too much about it. Although, I, I mean, why not? I complain about stuff I love all the time. Done. I also think it's one of those things that the purpose of this podcast is for us to give you a sense of if you'll like it or not. If you're the kind of person who is capable of reading this and just, like, finding it to be funny and farcical, like, this is fun. If you're going to be pissed off that they're not communicating and not actually trying to be good spies, maybe not the book for you. <laughs> <laughs> good point. I have another question, too. Just in general, what did Brody do as a spy? I, I still don't really know. 
Because usually when you get a spy, you find out about like old missions or the specific, even like we've had code breakers. We've had like these, this is your specific role. He shows up at these parties, but he's completely not familiar with the under- London Underground. The London Underground. <laughs> the London uh, like, Underbelly, maybe? Underbelly, ducks, shady brothels and gambling hells or whatever. Like he's clearly exclusively of the Arton. I mean, what, what I don't does he know. Do? I don't know what kind of spy Brody does. All he does in the book for spying is show up, and Astaria is already there, and then he makes out with her. <laughs> oh, and some hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, oh, that she's still better at him that. No, he gets rid of credit the first time. The first time, sure. So I just, I'm not actually sure, like, what his area of spy expertise is. I don't know, and I don't care. I'm just going to be completely honest about it. Sure. That was not even a part where I thought if I think about it too hard, it'll bug me. Uh, no, not even. Oh, that was like my number one. <laughs> <laughs> so, content warnings. The, the book has a lot of violent stuff in there. Like, Especially for Elizabeth Boyle. Yeah, there. I mean, there's a woman who's beaten to death, not on page, but but a named character who the main character had significant attachment to. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just get beaten up. She gets like beaten in the street. There's a graphic description of a drowned body. Mm-hmm. There is a woman who's been um, confined to an insane asylum. There's a woman who goes through a complete mental health breakdown. Mm-hmm. That's, and a lot of this stuff is only semi on the page, but it's still a lot. Uh, and then there's, there's two characters are threatened with rape as revenge for, you know, their spying, basically. And then, like, probably being sold into sex slavery. It's all very dark. It's really dark. Yeah, and the thing is, like, this is a very light farcical fun book and you know there's a lot of violence in it too so i don't know be aware there is again this this falls more into the if i thought about it too hard i would be annoyed there's a little bit of slut shaming specifically with the main antagonist yeah but you know it's honestly it's like it's not a huge element and it didn't bother me as much as it probably should have. Yep. So. I mean, I think that kind of covers it. Uh, Elizabeth Boyle is generally pretty inoffensive just because they tend to be so light and fluffy. I mean, I remember the last time we were like, okay, content warning, there's a little bit of classism in this book that's set <laughs> in the Regency. <laughs> so, like, this is, I honestly think one of the, even just by saying those things, like, this is one of the more disclaimer filled. Yeah, I agree. Maybe that's what we should call this section, disclaimers. Disclaimers, yes. It's not like content warnings necessarily all the time. It's just, like, stuff we want to make sure you know about. It's an evolving section of the podcast lane, you know? It's always, it's, it's, it's living. It's a living document. Right. <laughs> How sexy was this book, Meg? 
this book was sexy. I thought it was really pretty sexy, especially compared with the last couple of books that we've read by her. I thought it was sexy. I also thought it had just the right amount of clothing porn. Oh, God, yes. Which actually, like, did heighten a lot of the sex scenes. Um, obviously, yes. It also... I liked the way some of the sex scenes were not where you'd expect them. Yes. The, uh, there was one that I was like, oh, there was actually one because I didn't realize, I didn't realize it was like a flashback. And mm-hmm. I was like, damn, I was like, that was really fast. And then I was like, oh, that was a flashback. And then there were like two flashback sex scenes, like one after the other. Which did a really good job of getting you through their chase period in the present. Exactly. I thought it was. I thought it was a really good choice. And this is coming from someone who does not love flashbacks. Yeah, there were, the flashbacks were just there to add some porn earlier in the book. I, if, if you want to give me a porn flashback, I'm probably going to be fine with it. And I, I think, think it also like was that. helped by the fact that they were lifelong friends. Yes. And so, like, it wasn't that you were even flashing back to, like, the establishment of their relationship. You were flashing oh. back to just the sex that happened. Just the sex part. <laughs> Well, and it's flashing back to the part where you're like, Brody, Brody man, you really should know who she is by now. Yeah. Like, the first time they meet, she's like, he's like, who are you? And she's like, no, no, no. He was like, I love kissing you or something. And she was like, well, it took you long enough to notice me. And, he's and like, there's a little what bit of, and there's a little bit of like hate fucking. Mm-hmm. In like they're super in love with each other and have known each other forever, but like she's really sure he doesn't respect her as a spy, and she's right, and that mm-hmm. makes her angry. And like she's still into him, but she's pissed, and you know she has absolutely no sense of her self preservation. And it's like, yeah, I wish he would have told her more about the danger she was in, but you understand why he's like, if I tell her anything, she's going to use it to go do more shit, and I'm like tired of being worried about her, like. For all that some of their lack of communication was frustrating, and for all that I generally don't like sex where the main characters aren't on the same page, it all actually really worked for me here. Mm -hmm. As very in keeping with their characters, but very hot. And I think some of that is, like, the hand-waving fun of the book. Yes, I agree with you. I agree with you. I I really enjoy reading this one. It's It's a quick read. It's super fun. It's very sexy. If you like Elizabeth Boyle, I think you're gonna like this one. I have a question. There's very clearly a setup for a seventh book in the series in this one, but it came out in 2017. Any word from her on this series being continued or dropped? Or So I think the series was dropped. She has recently said that she finished a book and she's shopping it around. So I don't think that it's the next book in this series. So okay. I am excited to read the next book, whatever it is. Like, I'm very excited to read it. I, I don't mean, even know what it's about, but Elizabeth Warren wrote it, so I want to read it. No, I'm super stoked. I was just wondering if I'm ever going to get any answers about Mariah and Johns. I doubt it. It's going to be the same thing as with the Marlowe's. I know. Bummer. Real bummer. I know, because I was like, yeah, Chance and Mariah. Because you weren't sure who that Anyway, there's a, a pretty good setup for the next book. I didn't take away from this one. It was, like, just enough setup, I felt. Yeah, so it's a bummer that it doesn't exist. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet. Instagram at Plot Trists, Goodreads slash Plot Trists, 
We have a blog on WordPress. That's plottrists.wordpress.com. And you can email us on plottrists at gmail.com. So hope to hear from you. <laughs>